Thanks be to God indeed. Allison, I, I want to hear you preach this sermon because, boy, you read that. I get nervous sometimes when other people read scripture for me, but, but thank you. I mean, you emphasize exactly just, I can just vision it and picture it. Well, I am delighted to be able to be here and to get um, closer and closer to the Baylor community and to Truett. My son is so excited to attend here in the fall. I went to a large public university. My wife went to a small private Christian college. And so we had a lot of um, wrestling back and forth on which is better. And uh, we went on the tour here at Baylor and we looked at each other we're like, oh, this is better than both of our places that we went to. And so we're excited to, uh, to be here a lot in the, um, in the summer and in the fall. And I'm grateful to have gotten to know Dean Still a little bit and for his heart and passion for the church, for, for you all, for students, and to, to form you for ministry. And excited about ways in which students from our denomination may come and study here and ways in which people here may find roles and positions within our, our churches. Uh, and so it, looking, looking forward to that. And I encourage you to, to reach out to me and look at our job board, connect with me in any way if, if who we are is of interest uh, to you. And, and as I, I also want to commend you for going into ministry in this time. It's hard. It's really hard. Uh, the landscape has changed so much even from when I graduated from seminary 23 years ago. Uh, my middle son is looking at, he said, I want to be a youth pastor and, and go into ministry. And I, I get excited. I say, oh, good, he, he wants to go into ministry. And then I think, oh, no, he wants to go into ministry because it's hard and it's challenging and it's difficult. And sometimes we just wonder about what it is that God is up to and wants to do. And so as I, I prayed and I thought about what would be the, the text for today, it was even before all the stuff happening in Asbury, but I'm like, oh, well, this is maybe God will do something here in that similar way. But, but this passage, I think, is so remarkable in the way at which it reminds us that it's God's power, not ours. Amen? And that God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And so let me remind you of the context of this passage is that the, the people, God's people, had been brought into the promised land. And we know Moses brought them out of Israel. And uh, we see Joshua then brought them into this promised land. And we know they took that for granted. They began to become disobedient. Uh, they began to begin to ignore God in many ways. And God gave a lot of, of warnings to them and challenges to them. They didn't heed that. And so in 720, the northern kingdom of Israel around that time is um, conquered by the Assyrians. The southern kingdom is still intact, but 120 years later, in 600 BC, the southern kingdom is attacked by the Babylonians, and they are in exile. And so the land that God had promised is not occupied by his people anymore, and they are scattered throughout the countryside. And so Ezekiel comes onto the scene, and when Ezekiel comes on, it's about 580 B.C. 20 years have gone by. That's a long time. It's enough time for the people to think it's over. We're not going back. That Either God isn't willing or isn't able or doesn't desire for us to re-inhabit that land, and the promises of God have fallen short, and it may never be 
the way that it was before. And so Ezekiel comes onto the scene. And as Ezekiel is a prophet, and God takes Ezekiel on this field trip. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I loved to go on field trips. I loved when we were announced, no school on Thursday, we're all going to be getting on the bus, and I don't care where we went. You know, the symphony, bore, the botanical gardens, bore. It was just great to be out of class, be with my friends and to do that. But I have never been on a field trip like this. And it's not the first field trip that God took Ezekiel on. In chapter 3, God shows up in his power so powerful that it renders Ezekiel unable to speak for five years. And then in chapters 8 through 11, God, like the ghost of Christmas past, takes Ezekiel back to the abominations that Israel had committed and why they're in this state this day. Those are some amazing field trips. So what's going to happen this time? And he says, I was led by the Lord to the valley of dry bones. And they were very dry. They weren't dry like my grandmother's Thanksgiving turkey, you know, where you can still choke it down with a little bit of gravy. No, they're, they're dry like my English bulldog just rips apart if we give them like a rib bone. I mean, every single um, scrap that is on that bone gets ripped off and the cartilage gets ripped off and then it sits out in the sun for days. It's that kind of a dry bone. And there were not just a couple of them. There's a whole valley. I was led around the valley of these dry bones, a very depressing field trip to begin with. And God tells him later what these bones are representative of, the spiritual condition of the people of Israel. And I think it's safe for us to say that we are living in a time of dry bones. That our, our people are dry. The number one, we have 400 churches across the country. The number one complaint I am hearing from our pastors now and their disappointment is our people are not as discipled as we thought they should be. They're consumeristic, they're self-centered. Even our, our leaders do not have the discipleship that we thought they would have had after sitting under 20 years of our preaching and teaching. And it's depressing Add on to that all of the fighting. And there are tons of fighting over a variety of things. I had one pastor in the midst of COVID call me and say, I got yelled at twice this week. He's in California and he said, the first time I got yelled at is someone was saying I was capitulating to the government and we should open up fully for worship with no restrictions. And then the next day I got yelled at because there were four students sitting outside, socially distanced, with masks, having Bible study, and she said we were part of the problem of propagating this virus. What do I do with that? Add on to that all the political and racial tension. I love the conference that you had this weekend, and I know it's challenging as, as people who would consider themselves orthodox and evangelical that these are not the conversations we normally engage in, but I'm so happy we are doing so. We are seeking to do so as a denomination because we do not want to abdicate those conversations to the progressive wing of the church. We want a biblically orthodox evangelical approach to them, but it's hard, and our pastors are tired. 
And it's not just within our denomination. You read all the studies from Pew Research or, or Barna or whoever on the declining Christian movement in America. Most places I go to, there are churches are pulling demographic information. And the projection is, is that 10 years from now, there will be a net decrease of 10% of people who call themselves Christian in that area. 10% in 10 years, that's a lot. It's hard. We're living in these dry bones. And so God takes Ezekiel into the dry bones and he asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And I love Ezekiel's answer. And you read it perfectly. Oh Lord, you know. What kind of an answer is that? What kind of a, a weak faith is that? Oh Lord, you know. Right? It's kind of this half-hearted, well, God, I, I mean, I, I guess this is a guy who has been struck mute for five years because he saw the glory of the Lord, and he's asked if these bones can live, and at best, he's not quite sure. But I have to admit, I'm a pretty optimistic guy, and if God asked me the same question, I might say to him, Lord, you know. I mean, you've got amazing power, but those bones are really dry. I mean, they're just not freshly dead. They're really dry. And God doesn't argue with Ezekiel. Instead, God tells Ezekiel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy. I want you to preach to the bones. Some of you will feel like you're preaching to bones when you go out into the pulpits. I want you to preach to the bones. You're going to look stupid. You're going to look at, I mean, that's not in the text, but right? It's like, you want me to do what? I want you to prophesy to the bones. And Ezekiel says, I did as the Lord commanded. As if he's saying, wasn't my idea. I didn't think it would work. But I did what God called me to do. And when I did it, look. Bones started to reassemble. Tendons started to come across the bones. Uh, muscles came on those bones. And then skin covered the bones. But lest those corpses became a second helping for the vultures. God told Ezekiel, now I want you to prophesy to the breath of God that they would be in, that, that breath of God would inhabit those lives. And he did as the Lord commanded him again. And the people arose. It arose so much that it was an exceedingly great army. Praise be to God. And God tells Ezekiel, here's why I did this. Here's why I took you on this field trip. Here's why I did this amazing thing in front of you. I want you to know this is what I'm going to do in my people, in you and through you. Because they're complaining. We're cut off from God. We've screwed up too much. Our bones are too dry. It's too hard. It's too this. All of the complaining that is occurring is going on. And God is saying to Ezekiel, I am going to give new life. And you, Ezekiel, get to be part of that process. See, for those of you who are students going into ministry, that's what God's saying to you. I'm going to give new life. And it's not going to be on your talent. And it's not going to be on your power or your ability or your knowledge. It's going to be on the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm sorry, my ears. Amen? It's going to be on the power of the Holy Spirit. And God always does this, right? 
He calls Moses to to lead the people out through the Red Sea. And and when they get there, all he wants Moses to do is to hold out his staff. And Moses, in faith, does it, and the sea parts. And Joshua gets to Jericho. And Joshua, uh, God says to Joshua at that point, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around several times and blow your trumpets. You want me to do what? And he does it, and the walls fall down. Because it's God's power at work, not ours. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to preach the good news to each other and to the world. See, sometimes we think about prophesying and and, and preaching the good news and speaking the good news to other people. We think about it for people who don't yet know Jesus. And absolutely, we need to do that. But we need to speak the gospel to each other. We need to remind each other that our identity isn't in our grades or how big our churches become or how small our churches become. Our identity is in who God made us to be. I was in Minnesota this last weekend and I was talking about our ordination process, how we we bring people into that process. And a woman comes up to me afterwards, she was about 80 years old and her husband had passed away and her husband had been a pastor for uh, 40 years. And she comes up to me in tears and she goes, here's my heart. How do you help people get confidence? My husband was a pastor for 40 years and he was a good pastor, but he was always... Uh, just in this immense self-doubt, and his happiness was always dependent upon other people being happy with him or not. I'll tell you this, other people are not always going to be happy with you. If you want to go into a job where everyone's happy with you all the time, sell ice cream. And I said, that's, I, I, I hear your concern, and that's why we want to help our people Make sure that their identity is in the gospel and that we're speaking that to one another. And I tell our new pastors that when, when they're coming into our congregations, it doesn't matter if the congregation goes, grows 10 times the size it is now. God's not going to love you anymore. And it doesn't matter if the church dies while you're its pastor. God isn't going to love you any less. And so we speak the gospel to one another. And then we speak the gospel to the community. We speak the gospel into our community. The grace, the good news of Jesus Christ. I love when people ask me, so you're part of an evangelical denomination, and, and they don't, I'm from California, so a lot of people don't like evangelicals. And I talk to them, about, yeah, but here's what evangelical really means. It means people of good news. And I actually think all the problems that we are facing in our world today are solved by the good news of Jesus. We and especially we as Christians, need to be able to live that out and speak that to a greater extent in our community. And I think when we do that, we will see revival happen in our country and in our communities. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters here who who love you, who want to serve your church, Lord, whether that's in chaplaincy work, whether that is in congregational work, whether that's in academia, in a variety of ways that they want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, there are days and there are times where it is discouraging, where we just see nothing but but dryness. 
and we get overwhelmed and we will get exhausted. And yet, Lord, you call us to be faithful to proclaiming your word and letting the outcome be up to you. And so I pray for each and every person in here, for the ministries that they may already be involved with, or the ministries that they will be called to, that you would give them a greater sense of who they are in you, and that they would be able to live out that identity with passion, and with love, and with grace, and that we would see something happen in this country again, like we've never seen before, that you would do a new thing, that your spirit would be present and that more people would come to praise and glorify the name of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.